Welcome to YEGMS, uh, the very first episode of 2019. Uh, I plan on having something out sooner, but I didn't really know what to talk about, and then I had a wonderful email come in. Somebody wanted to be a guest on the show, so fantastic. I am talking to Dr. Gretchen Hawley, who graciously agreed to record this. Uh, it's about three minutes to nine o'clock her time in the evening, and I'm obviously in the, in the, the mountain time zone, so it's only three minutes to seven. So, Gretchen, thank you so much for doing this. Of course, I'm excited to be on. Now, the reason why I'm excited to talk, to talk to you, and I don't know how much you know about my backstory, um, mm -hmm. but I'm around where I live in, in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, which is a long way away from where you are. <laughs> um, and for the American listeners, I probably sound like I'm from Minnesota. That's what I'm always told yes. when, I, when I run into the people from the U.S. Are you from Minnesota? No, about 12 hours north, but, you know, give or take. But... Um, no. I got diagnosed with MS in 2007, and I three times, well, twice now, and I'm training for the third. I've run ultra marathons to raise money for the MS Society of Canada, and I wanted to start to kick off 2019 by talking about the 2019 really long run, but my regular listeners have heard about that enough, so how do I talk about more exercise? And then I got your email, went onto your website, and your whole thing is about physical therapy with, for people with MS. So why don't we start with... How did, how did we come to talk today? Where did you start? How did this come to be? How do, how, how so, would you... most recently, I, I've been getting more into podcasts. I never was a podcast listener until about a year ago. And I started off listening to podcasts, um, more like things you should know and PR, things like that. But I am a multiple sclerosis specialist. So I recently have been trying to get more information on MS via podcasts, as well as the other events that I've been going to. So I literally just put a Google search out there of best MS podcasts and yours was one of the ones that popped up. So that's how I found you most uh, how, recently. How unfortunate that mine came up for you, but <laughs> I, I appreciate you reaching out nonetheless. And interestingly enough, uh, over half of my listeners now are actually based in the U.S. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, you know, I started this thing hoping it was kind of be, you know, a regional, you know, let's talk about MS here in, around the Edmonton area. And then, you know, it just kind of snowballed. One of the funnier things that happened, I had a guy reach out to me and we didn't realize we weren't in the same city. And he was in Arizona. And he said, well, why don't we meet at a coffee shop near the U of A? And I <laughs> said, sure, because the University of Alberta is in Edmonton. So he sent me an address, and I thought, well, where, what, what is that? And I sent him an address, and he thought, well, what's that? Well, it turns out there's a University of Arizona, and there's a University of Alberta, and we were both saying U of A, and we were in the same time zone. You know, it's just weird oh. how, how things work. So what got you interested in multiple sclerosis? Initially, I, I was kind of placed into the multiple sclerosis world uh, randomly. Mm -hmm. The company, the physical therapy company that I was working for had a sister company that was running a very successful MS program. And so our boss wanted to create that same program in the Boston area because the sister company was in Rhode Island. So they asked who was interested in running the program, and I had always been interested in more neurological-based diseases, so I offered to run the program. And in doing so, 
I started treating more people who had MS. I observed the physical therapist that we had in Rhode Island, and I just came to know more and more about it. And then I just became fascinated by how diverse this disease is. As you know, every person is different. You could be diagnosed at the same age and you're the same gender, the same type of diagnosis, yet your symptoms are just vastly different. And I love brainstorming. So for me, that's like heaven. I And I want to help people. So I love how every treatment is different and I can help so many people in so many different ways. So then that's when I decided to sit for the multiple sclerosis certified specialist exam, because that's when you really jump into MS and you have to know the same things that neurologists need to know, that nurses need to know, and nutritionists, cognitive therapists, the whole shebang. <clears throat> so going through your website, obviously you're, you're focusing on it from uh, physical therapy. Is that yes. accurate? Now I've always, now I've been told I'm an extreme case in the sense that I'm able to run an ultra marathon and have MS and it's not, a, it's not normal. Mm -hmm. um, but my wife will tell you I'm not normal anyway. So, uh, <laughs> I think being a little crazy probably helps, but what is it about exercise and MS that was of interest to you and why, you know, this is something that you're offering to the MS community in large. So I first heard about neuroplasticity several years ago. Do you know what neuroplasticity is? Uh, you better refresh me. <laughs> I'll refresh you. And for any listeners who don't know. So neuroplasticity is the theory that our brain can create new pathways for a movement to occur. So if someone can't lift their toes and that's why, or their ankle rather, and that's why they have foot drop, your brain, if you practice an exercise for a foot drop, your brain is actually trying to find a new pathway to work because the current one is not working. Or even if the current one is working, but it's not strong enough, every time you practice that exercise, your brain is trying to strengthen that pathway, which is, the whole reason why exercise works in people who have MS. Neuroplasticity doesn't occur in all diseases, but it does occur in MS. So as soon as I learned that, it was like a no-brainer. Like everyone with MS, no matter if you were diagnosed today or 50 years ago, everyone should be doing exercises, but specific functional training exercises. And I've been treating people who have MS for just over three years now. And about a year ago, I started sharing on social media the benefits that some of my patients have been seeing in the clinic. And it was overwhelming how many responses I was getting to those posts of things like, oh my gosh, I, I live in Texas. I wish you could be my physical therapist. Or my mom lives in Florida. She would benefit so much from your type of therapy. And just these messages kept coming in. And I started realizing that there aren't many people like me out there who are doctors of physical therapy and also MS specialists because physical therapy, regular physical therapy is very different than it is with the approach of being an MS specialist. So that's when I decided to launch a virtual program so that I could have a broader outreach to help even more people. I want to ask you a question on that point. Um, now, granted, it's different in Canada. Obviously, we have a different healthcare system than the U.S., but um, I wonder how it is 
from your perspective and how you, you, you find it. You know, I know when I got diagnosed, it seemed to be um, no talk about diet, no talk about exercise. Here's your meds. You know, yeah. stab yourself with a needle once a day and hope for the best. It was basically, I mean, it wasn't put to me that way, but in a, really that's what they said. So, and by the... Now, people can't see you, obviously, the listeners, but I can see you nodding. So I'm, I, I have a feeling how you're going to answer that. But is, have you noticed that as well? All the time. And you said 2007 you were diagnosed, right? That was only 12 years ago. That's not that long, which is mind-blowing. But so much research has been done recently, within the last three to five years even, that completely swaps that around. Almost all of my patients who have been diagnosed, I would even say, eight to 10 years ago or longer, we're told don't exercise, it's just gonna cause heat intolerance, it's just gonna make you more fatigued, don't do anything, you know, maybe even quit work, just stay home, don't, don't be too active. But now research is showing immediately you should start doing exercises, more preventative, and even if you have already started to lose function, do it now and so that you can at least maintain, if not even improve. But yeah, that's a very typical, response that everyone was getting up until the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think with what happened with me, I, uh, I don't know if it's luck or, um, I mean, I was, I was unable to work for about eight months. And mm -hmm. sitting around my house by myself all day, it gets pretty lonely, so I started walking. Uh, and mm -hmm. at the time, I was, I don't know, 260, 270. I was carrying, a, you know, I was carrying a lot of extra luggage at the time. Um, but through walking, it became short runs, and then fast forward to today, it, you know, that's kind of how that, that happened. And I have been told by my neurologist that he thinks the fact that I've been exercising so much has really led to the fact that I, I wouldn't call myself symptom-free, but I live a very, very normal life compared to a lot of the people with MS that I meet. So what is the number one thing, I mean, do you, feel, do you think, if you had to rank, okay, so your medication, exercise, diet, how would you rank those three, or, is, or, or am I being too uh, too simple? I think that's tough because it would be different for everyone based on where you are right now. I was just at an event called MS Breakthroughs, and it was one of the National MS Society events, and one of the neurologists said that he thought that a combination of consistent exercise healthy nutrition and not smoking would be way more effective than any medication out there. But those three things are really hard to do for anyone, let alone someone who has MS limitations. So I think if you're already healthy, nutrition wouldn't be what I would say to be number one for you because you're already healthy. I might say focus more on the exercise or the medications. Or if you're already really fit and you're doing exercises, but your nutrition isn't great, then I would say start there. So I don't know. I think that would be different for everyone, but those three categories definitely are in the top three. Yeah. Well, for me, I, my initial approach was diet. Yeah. Um, the walking, you know, it wasn't, I didn't really draw a line between the two. It was just mm -hmm. diet. And then I got into uh, the paleo diet and Dr. Terry Walls and a lot of these other characters. But then I learned more about diet and to discover that just because it works for me doesn't necessarily mean that's going to work for somebody else because you've got your microbiome, genetics, and everything, all those other stuff. Like that. So I found an eating style that seems to work for me, but I can't say that it would work for everyone else. But one thing I would say is I think exercise would work for everyone. And now looking at your website, I want to know 
So somebody listening to this that's mobility challenged right now, they get a hold of you. What what's the process? What are they what are they looking at? So when they get a hold of me, the first thing I want to know is what are your symptoms? Because as we mentioned before, every person is different. So with my program, as soon as Actually, even before you get access to my program, I'm usually talking to everyone beforehand. So I give everyone my email address or I'm very active on Instagram. So I'm personally messaging people all the time to see if it would be a good fit for for the person that's chatting with me because it's not a perfect fit for everyone. So I want to know what their symptoms are. If they, if we do decide this would be a good fit for them, then the first thing that they get once they sign up is an assessment and asks questions like, first of all, what type of MS do you have? How long have you had your symptoms for? What is limiting you in your day-to-day life at home? Do you work? Do you use an assistive device? Because virtually... I can reach a lot more people and help so many more people, but it is hard because you're not there in person. Mm-hmm. So I try to gather those pieces of information and then from there, treat them as if they were a client, just more virtually. So I try to really get to know them. We're constantly emailing back and forth. And then my exercises are in four different sections. So there's a strengthening section, a balance section, stretching, and walking. And they each, at this point, have between five and seven exercises each. I'm constantly adding more to them. But from there, I have two different home exercise programs, and I allow each client to choose, or I can help them if they want my guidance. So one is based more on walking and balance. And then the other one is more heavily focused on strengthening and stretching. And you can definitely mix and match. You can do a la carte, whatever you'd like. But I know for me personally, when I'm exercising, if I don't have something that's telling me what to do each day, I either don't do it at all, or I spend so much time wasting just, okay, what should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? So I have the personality where I just need someone to tell me what to do and when to do it and how to do it. So that's how my program is guided as well. Now, kind of on that point, and I, and I struggled with this today, I did not want to go for a run. The last thing I wanted to do was go near the track because I live in snow, so I wasn't running outside. Let's just be clear. It yeah. actually was... It was a very balmy minus seven today. That's seven degrees below freezing. I don't do Fahrenheit, so I don't know what that would be in Fahrenheit. But, um, but I run on indoor tracks until the snow, you know, leaves. Probably two days before I do the actual run. But when you have a client that's st- struggling with motivation, because um, as all I think most people listening know, uh, there can be f- fatigue, mental fatigue, uh, depression. And I was struggling with a pretty heavy bout of it today, and I've just learned to um, push. I don't even, that's the best way I can describe it. And I know if I, can, if I can get through the first 10 minutes of my run, endorphins start kicking in, I'll start feeling better, and then I'm able to, but I have to push for the first 10, 15 minutes until the other chemical, the good chemicals kick in. How do you, is there techniques or things that you do to help people? I mean, I see some of the exercises where you, you have people exercising in a chair. But I don't think for people who don't live in the MS world, they don't even understand that that can be so intimidating when you're having an MS day. And I don't know how else to describe it, but how do you help people get over that hump? 
So a lot of my exercises are in a seated position for many reasons. One, it requires less energy. So on those days that you are not feeling well or you're just super exhausted or you're having fatigue, whatever the reason may be, I wanted there to be some type of exercise that you could do, even if you just choose one exercise. My program is also set up where if you choose you want to do the leg kicks today, just click that video, listen to why you should be doing it, what muscles it's helping, and do it from there. But they're sitting so that even on the bad days, you can be on your couch doing these exercises, or you could be in your office at work doing the exercises. So mine are also exercises that you can do throughout the day, wherever you are. So whether it's a fatigue day or a busy day, but you wanna get something in. And then there are also standing exercises, balance and walking, but I really like doing strengthening exercises sitting down so that it's more doable for everyone. Awesome. I, I want to go back to something you said, because the picture I got in my head when you were talking about that term, you I couldn't, I didn't know what it was, and you, and you gave the definition. What was that again? The, the, thank you. When you were explaining what that was, I was picturing a telephone operator from like the 1940s with those cables, you know, where they're plugging in here. Is that yep. kind of what you're, you, were, you were getting at? Yeah. Okay. So even a simple person <laughs> like me can understand it. Perfect. Yeah. Um, now, I noticed something on your website that I really wanted to ask you about because this is something I struggle with, and I'll tell you why. My in-laws have in-floor heating, uh-huh. and they're very cold people. So it's, I mean, they set their thermostat at around 25, 26 degrees. I don't know what that would be in Fahrenheit, but I would imagine that would be in the 80s, like in okay. the high 80s. Like, it's warm. Yeah. And the problem with the in-floor heating, everything in the house is warm to the touch. The table's warm. The couch is warm. You see, everything's warm, and it's. I want to crawl out of my skin and run screaming into the street because that's when I get the heat sensitivity. If I'm outside, it's not bad because if there's air moving around me, that seems to be the, the thing that I'm where I'm okay. But if I'm inside and it's still, but you mentioned on, on, your, on, your, on some of the notes there that you, there's certain things you can do to help help that. So I want to know what what that is because if the next time I go there I'll be whatever that is I'm going to be doing it yeah for sure I love talking about this topic so I'm glad you brought it up because I feel like most people with MS know if they have heat intolerance but they don't fully know what it is and if you don't fully know what it is you're not going to know how to treat it or how to manage it so heat intolerance the definition of that is when one or several symptoms worsen because your core temperature has risen by at least half of a degree. So first of all, half of a degree is not much. Mm -hmm. That's all it needs to be for any of your symptoms to worsen. And second of all, you could, like you mentioned, you could either be outside or you could be inside, but if your core temperature has risen, everything can worsen from there. So the way that you fix that is reduce your core temperature. So two of my favorite things to have people do, first of all, have ice water, not just room temperature water, ice water, and just consistently sip it. That way you're ingesting something freezing. So you're trying to cool your core temperature down. And then there's a lot of different cooling products out there I really like the, I feel like I should be sponsored by these people, but I'm not. I really like two different brands. One is the Hypercool uh, Cooling Vest because it's super lightweight. You just put it in water, wring it out, put it on. It keeps you cool right away. And I also really like the Cold Tech Ice Towel because it's dry ice and it's just more of a, a, a neck wrap, I guess you could say, but it's an ice towel. 
So, but the whole point of those three tips is you have to cool your core temperature down. I have people who, uh, clients who say that they get leg spasticity when they're too hot. And they'll tell me, so I put a frozen bag of peas on my legs. And I'll always ask them next, well, did that work? And they always say no. And I say, instead, put the frozen pack of peas on your chest. And you're way more likely to lower the core temperature quicker that way. So the spasticity should lessen as well. I am going to check out the, that ice towel and that ice vest because I could just see myself going to my in-laws and I'll be, have that on with the ice towel around my neck and, I'll, and a big thing of ice water and I'm ready right. to go. Yeah. Uh, yep. Because <laughs> Christmases are interesting. I'll just say that. I love oh my, my in-laws to death, but man, it is, it, they have a very... One time I took a picture of the thermostat and I think in Fahrenheit it would have been over 90. Oh my gosh. And this yeah. is inside a house. And the thing to realize, it sounds like you wouldn't be bothered by this, but a lot of my patients also say that on a 90 degree day outside, they're still inside in air conditioning, but their symptoms are still bad. And the reason for that is because air conditioning really just keeps your skin cool. It doesn't really keep your core temperature down. So if it's a 90 degree day outside and humid, and in Boston this summer, at least it was awful, your core temperature is rising because of the barometric pressure. So you still, even though you're sitting and not doing anything inside in air conditioning, I still suggest everyone to wear a cooling vest or an ice towel or wristbands or some type of cooling device. I have to say, talking to you, I've got light bulbs going off in my head all over the place. And one, I hate being in Toronto. Yeah. I don't mind the city, but the humidity, mm-hmm. all I do is sweat. And this is all starting to make sense to why. It's like and you said, it's, it's, it's not my skin. It's, the, it's my internal temperature that's just gone off exactly. the rails. Yeah. And also, again, not everyone, but some people with MS, their bodies don't regulate temperature correctly. So you might start sweating because you feel like you're hot, even though it's cold outside or vice versa. So your body gets mixed signals just as it does with physically, but it gets mixed signals of if it thinks you're hot, but you're not, or it thinks you're cold, but you're not. And then it responds accordingly. So it's, it's very, it goes haywire every now and then. Now, another question for you. Um, Again, this is this is self-serving because it's stuff that I'm curious about, and I don't get. You're the first person that I've talked to that has a has studied the physical component to this, so this is um, really fascinating for me, and I and I know it'll be fascinating for the listeners. If somebody wanted to, let's say they just have relapsing remitting MS, you know, they have their bad days, they have their good days, but they're still able to work, they're still able to get around, and, and they think to themselves. After listening to somebody like me or somebody like yourself, they think, you know what? I wouldn't mind trying running a 10K run, which I think is about uh, six and a half, seven miles, something like that. Do you think, number one, it's a good thing for them to try? And number two, what, what would your recommendations to be to start them on the path so they could go from sitting on a couch to maybe, you know, running a few kilometers or miles in, in the case of uh, my yeah. U.S. listeners? So that's a great question because I do have clients who have that goal. So what I've been doing so far, and again, everyone is different, but what I've been doing with my clients who have that goal is, first of all, a lot of them haven't ran in years. And so as silly as it may sound, we start with learning how to hop. 
a lot of people can't hop or they think they can, but then they tell them to and they can't. It just, their brain is having a hard time doing that. So I have them start with hopping, just uh, both feet together, hopping like that. And then maybe hopping in a staggered stance and then switching a hop. So it's more of a little, little jump and then kind of going to running that way. And in the meantime, I also have them increasing their endurance with walking. Also keeping in mind that any exercise, even my seated exercises that we were talking about, any exercise can increase your core temperature. So it's really important when you're exercising to make sure you're drinking ice water, make sure you have something, whether it's a cooling vest or an ice towel while you're exercising so that you don't get heat intolerance because that would stop you from progressing as well. Again, I'm going to have to try that because sometimes I know, you know, it happened to me today when I finished my, you know, I did 30 laps of the outside lane of this track. When I stopped, the sweat was almost uncontrollable. Like it was just mm-hmm. coming off of me and it took me a while to cool, cool down. I'm thinking now if I had one of those ice vests, I got to put, and it would have helped, you know, yeah. get things under control. Faster. Mm-hmm. Like you think I know goal? this stuff, but I don't. So. A lot of people don't. I spend, so my evaluations, which is that, you know, your first day that you come into physical therapy is an hour long, which I love that I get an hour with my patients. And I spend probably 45 minutes of that educating people on heat intolerance, on fatigue management, because those are the take homes that you can take home right away and start doing something about. And then we do the rest of the testing with the last 15 minutes. But I spend a big portion just educating people because there's a lot of things that you can do right now that a lot of people don't know about that would help you with the symptoms that you're having day to day. Um, now, is there anything specifically you wanted to talk about? Because I know you've mentioned it a few times. I'm glad you talked about that. So I want to make sure we hit every point that you wanted to mention while we, while we were talking. Right. I guess I just would also like to mention that my the program that I've developed was with people with MS in mind. So the whole reason I created it was because, A, I was noticing that not many people have access to a physical therapist who's also an MS specialist. There, like I mentioned before, there's a huge difference. And a lot of people that even come to me are doubters. And they'll say, I'm only here because my doctor told me to. I don't think it's going to work because I've had PT before and it didn't work. And so I spend time explaining to them why it's going to be different with me. And it's very different than general exercise. So it's my exercises are geared with that in mind and with neuroplasticity in mind. And also a lot of people do have insurance that covers physical therapy, but at some point it runs out mm-hmm. or they just don't, they physically don't want to go there anymore. It's just too fatiguing to get ready to get there. So it's more for that type of person as well, where you ran out of PT visits or you just can't get there or there's just no one around or you've tried PT before and it didn't work for you. So it's for a big group of people that I think would benefit a lot from it. Um, I had something and it just went away, but it'll come back. Okay. Do you, did you have anybody in your life with multiple sclerosis? Luckily, no. I am actually from Buffalo, New York, and Western New York is one, I think specifically Rochester, New York, but Western New York as a whole um, is one of the largest areas in the U.S. Of concentrated with multiple sclerosis. But yeah, there's no one, no one in my family or friends have MS. Well, that is lucky because I mean, I know 
I have an aunt, I have a cousin, and there's several people just in my family that that have it's, it. So, yeah, it's very interesting too. I was just talking to a patient today about this because, technically, according to the research, MS is not hereditary. It's I think there's it's like four percent hereditary, and there's a higher predisposition if there's someone in your family who has MS. But at least for the clients that I am treating in the clinic as well as virtually, I would say ninety percent of them have a family member that also has MS. So it's, it's very intriguing. I'm I'm hoping more research will be done on that to see what they come up with. Now we're coming up on a half an hour, and I don't want to keep you too long because I know we're coming up 9:30, so and you probably have to work in the morning. But um, last last takeaway you want people to know about yourself and what you're doing, and then we'll get to the the social media and all that stuff here in a second. But I just one takeaway you want people listening to this that you they want you want them to take away from this conversation. If I had one takeaway, it would be that to realize that you can get better. So many people have had a bad experience before or just haven't tried physical therapy because it's a progressive disease and they don't think they can get better. But based on research and neuroplasticity, even MRIs that are done on more fit people show that even when they have a relapse, they have a quicker recovery and the damage isn't as bad. So research is showing that if the more fit you are, the better off you're going to be and that neuroplasticity can actually create new pathways for you to get stronger. So if you're doing the right types of exercises, you can get better. So just know that don't feel like you have to stay where you're at or that you're going to regress because that doesn't have to be the case. And I lied. I have one more question for you before okay. I get, we get to the social media and how people find you. Um, inflammation obviously is a big thing. I mean, it's that's what the that's what causes the disease or allegedly causes the, the disease. Uh, but obviously, with exercise, especially if you're getting into, into more intense exercise, that's going to cause inflammation. Do you have any tips that way? For inflammation in the brain and spinal cord, you mean? I mean, just in general, because I mean, with heat, like if you, when I know when I'm inflamed, I get very warm, and, right? And maybe I'm maybe I'm not differentiating between brain inflammation and just you know regular muscle inflammation. I don't know if they're different or the same. I'm just wondering if there's things that people should be aware of when they're exercising that way. I would probably say just keep your core temperature cool, because when your core temperature warms up, that can cause anything to increase, including inflammation. So if you're able to keep your core temperature even keeled, especially during exercise, then it shouldn't make that worse. Mm -hmm. If it is more of, a, of an inflammation in the sense of a joint, like your knees get inflamed or your shoulders, then if you can, everyone's different, but if you can take an anti-inflammatory, you could do that first before you exercise to get that in your system, but also keeping in mind that it's not talked about as much, but cold intolerance is also a thing. It's the same exact thing as heat intolerance, except your core temperature drops by at least half a degree. And also keeping in mind, if you're outside, especially where you live, if you're outside on a really cold day, but you just told yourself you'd get a walk in, so you're going to walk, you're really bundled up. If you're really bundled up, even if it's negative degrees outside, your core temperature could be too hot. So always ask yourself if something's worsening, whether it's inflammation or what any symptom, 
the first thing you should ask yourself is, is there a possibility that my core temperature is either overheating or is it cooling down too much? Because it's such a quick fix, but you have mm. to know that that's the issue first. Well, so you, mentioned, you mentioned where I live. I mean, it, it was minus 30 here last week. Yeah. So I wouldn't know. I mean, it's so cold that I wouldn't know. It's right. just all I know is it's damn cold. It's, I mean, you know, at that temperature, it's so cold that whether I'm misreading it or not, it's still just really cold. So, right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I want uh, how do people find you? Instagram, Twitter, website. How do they find you? So my, well, I guess we'll start with my website. So my website is www.drgretchenholly.com. My YouTube is Dr. Gretchen Holly. My Instagram is dr.gretchen. And email is gretchen at drgretchenholly.com. And the doctors for all of those are spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R. And my last name is H-A-W-L-E-Y. And I will leave a link to, in, in the companion notes to this podcast on ownmultiplesclerosis.com. So if somebody can't figure out how to spell your name or whatever, they can go to the website, find it, click on it, and bam, they'll find you. Uh, you know, to close out, I just want to say thank you so much for, for reaching out to me and agreeing to be a guest. And I, I hope this uh, helps the listeners. And I also hope it, it drives traffic to you because I, uh, I think what you're doing is really worthwhile. And I was really excited to talk to you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on your show. Thanks. And maybe maybe we'll have you on again. And, and, and I'll offer you to this too as well. I mean, if you have um, people that you're working with that need maybe need uh, a real-life example, uh, mm -hmm. they can reach out to me. You've got my email. You can, say, you can send them my way. So. Awesome. Thank you. No worries. Well, that was Dr. Gretchen. Thank you so much. And uh, just hang around for a sec. I want to say thank you when I stop recording. Uh, okay. That is Dr. Gretchen Hawley. Uh, again, I'm going to leave the uh, her link to her website in the in the companion notes on multiplesclerosis.com. A couple of things before we <clears throat> close out this the first episode of 2019. Uh, after we stopped recording, uh, Dr. Gretchen sent me a quick note, and uh, for any of you that were listening and are that not were listening that are listening. They may have been interested in the ice towels that she mentioned, the Cold Tech, K-O-L-D-T-E-C, Cold Tech ice towel that she had mentioned. She actually does have a promo code if you can use on their website to get $10 off and an extra ice, ice strip. So if you go to the Cold Tech website and enter the promo code Dr. Gretchen, it's all capital, capital letters, all one word, D-R. G-R-E-T-C-H-E-N, Dr. Gretchen, you can get $10 off of one of those towels. So not a bad deal. You, you know, uh, she wanted me to make sure you guys know that uh, she doesn't make any money off it, but um, you know, it, it does sound like something that you can use to uh, help with uh, you know, those days when, when, when heat's bothering you. A um, couple other housekeeping things. So the really long run to end MS 2019, that's going to go Saturday, June 8th. This time I'm going to be running from Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta to Devon, Alberta through the Edmonton River Valley. Uh, it looks like it's going to be around 100K. I've been telling people all along that this is, <laughs> this is probably um, the last one I'll do, but I said that after the, the last, last one, so 
uh, take that with a grain of salt. Now, if you're interested in, in, in finding out more about Dr. Gretchen and, and the work she's doing and, and some of the programs that she has to offer, uh, the link to her website, I believe it's drgretchenholly.com. I will leave that in the companion notes to this episode of the YEGMS podcast on the ownmultiplesclerosis.com web website. So you can click there and then, you know, through her website, you'll be able to find her, track her down on social media. And uh, yeah, you can, you can connect with her there. I, I, I think that, as I mentioned, I think what she's doing is, uh, uh, is necessary. And I think it's, it, it's something that anyone with MS, depending on, regardless of, of what form of MS you have, uh, as, she, as she stated, I think um, exercise can play a big role. Now, as far as me, I am in the uh, starting into the heavier part of my training uh, for this year's really, really long run. I think I got 16 weeks left to go, um, which may sound like a lot or a little, depending on your perspective. It doesn't sound like enough time uh, for me right now, but that's more because I've been struggling with uh, motivation and, and uh, fatigue. But I have to say, I've run five times in the last seven days. My shortest run has been. Uh, seven kilometers, so it's it, it's starting to track up. And on that note, uh, a big thanks to um, my buddy Mark and my buddy Steve. Steve's going to be running my social media, which is a big help to me because I'm not very good at it. And Mark is just kind of taken over as the team lead, and he's doing an amazing job. Um, I mean, this is a real grassroots thing, and uh, you know, any support and all the help I can get, I just can't say enough but, uh, about the help I've been receiving and, and uh, the support. So that's awesome. And if you really want to, if you want to find out about more about the really long run, you can go to ownmultiplesclerosis.com or you can go to really long, long run to endms.ca. Um, you can check it out there if you want to donate, if you want to be a volunteer, whatever. Just if you're interested in it all, get a hold of me. Lastly, if you want to find me, on the internet. My Twitter is ownms.com1. That's O W M, sorry, O W N M S D O T, and then the number one. You can find me on Twitter or on Instagram at ownms. The really long run has a uh, Facebook page, uh, as does ownmultiplesclerosis.com. So you can find me, find me there. And as always, you can email me at sean at ownmultiplesclerosis.com. So if you want to be a guest on the show as well, uh, I'm, I'm loving the fact that I got to kick off 2019 with a guest. Uh, I have another one scheduled for next week. Um, that's how the show started, and, and I'd love to have more people from the community on the show to share their experience, what they're doing, and, all, and everything else. So please reach out to me. Anyways, now that is the... Now this is the end of the finally the end of the episode because I'm starting to ramble. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for Dr. Gretchen, and we'll talk to you all real again really soon. <laughs>